Hello, my name is Kathy Harrelson, and I am looking forward to studying God's Word with you. This summer at Women in the Word, we have been looking at scenes from the Old Testament, specifically scenes that include the Hebrew word hesed. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and so we've been looking at this Hebrew word hesed that refers to God's steady love or to a love that is faithful, committed, good, and loyal. Take your Bible out and turn to 1 Samuel 18. In just a few minutes, we are going to begin a study in 1 Samuel of the life of David and see what we can learn from him. As I was preparing for this, I was reminded that many of us have received examples of things that people have given to us. We've watched mentors, friends, family members. We've learned from them and we've received things from them that they value or that they've given to us. I was reminded that in my family, my parents had some specific things that were valuable to them that they gave to us as children and that I've seen my siblings try to give away to their children. Specifically, in my family, my parents were very committed to doing the right thing, especially if it involved caring for someone else. We saw them sacrifice and give to people in different ways, regardless of how those people acted or regardless of how those people treated them. I've watched my siblings kind of pick up on that. When my brother married my sister-in-law, who is great, she early on learned what she called the Harrelson way. And that was, as she said, you're gonna do the right thing, even if it means you have to cut off your right arm to do it. She initially thought that it was a little bit crazy, but now she has bought in and they try to give that value to their children as well. My brother has spent 26 summers in a row since he was 15, rebuilding needy people's homes for a week in the summer. Certainly my sister-in-law and their kids have been flexible with that as he's taken a week of vacation and been gone. I see it in my sister as well. I see her two boys talk about Mr. Vernon, their 95-year-old neighbor across the street who was a World War II veteran. And I hear about Mr. Vernon and how they've spent time with and tried to care for Mr. Vernon. In fact, a couple years ago, my sister's oldest son, Owen, received an award called the President's Award. Two kids in his class got it. And this was the description of the award. It was for a student who was hardworking, always seeking to improve, a friend to everyone, inclusive, good-natured, and willing to lend a hand in any situation. My sister wrote this to Owen. She said, Owen, I've never been so proud of you before in my life. This is more important to me than any athletic or academic achievement. Job well done. We've all received things from people in our life. And to be honest, we all give away things as well. And I think sometimes it's important for us to step back and acknowledge what is it that we've received? Because whether it's good or bad, and we all have a mix of both, my family isn't perfect. We didn't always choose to give away the right things. What have we received? And then what have we chosen to give away? Or what do we want to choose to give away? And then how do we go about getting the power or the ability to do that? And it's those three things that we are going to look at in the life of David and consider what did he receive? What did he give away? And then how did he go about doing that? 
I'm going to start by looking at one relationship in David's life. I'm going to tell you this story. For the next person, we're going to actually read it together in 1 Samuel 18. But the first person I'd like to tell you about is the person Saul. David, when we meet him, is actually a shepherd boy. And Saul is the king of the nation of Israel. And at some point, Saul was experiencing some turmoil and some folks suggested to Saul, the king, you know, what if you get someone who skillfully played the liar and they came and played for you and that might calm you down. Saul agreed and those folks recommended David to Saul as one who was skillful in playing the liar, but also someone who was a man of character. David came and played for Saul. Saul was calm. And the scriptures tell us that Saul loved David. In fact, he made him his armor bearer. Armor bearers were a valued part of someone's life, especially a king. They were brave and courageous. They went into battle with the king. They carried the king's armor. Saul so appreciated David that that's how he treated him. However, we read another story in 1 Samuel 18. It is after David kills Goliath, a Philistine, and the nation of Israel experiences a military victory. On the way back, Saul begins to hear that people are praising David more than they're praising him. Saul doesn't like this. He's filled with anger, jealousy, even fearful awe. And Saul throws a spear at David. He's so angry. That's a very different story than what we initially heard. It doesn't sound a lot like this hesed we've been talking about. In fact, we read multiple other stories, including in 1 Samuel 24, where Saul tries to kill David, and David has opportunity to kill Saul, but he doesn't. David understands what it's like to have people in your life that do not give you hesed. He understands. I know if we're honest and look at our life, we've all had situations and people that have not given hesed to us. And I am sorry for that and have great compassion for that. But I also have a hope for us, especially those of us who have received instances have a lot of what I'm calling not hesed from people in our lives. We're also going to see another individual interact with David. And it's again right after that military victory between David and Goliath. We actually meet Saul's son, Jonathan. And in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel 18, we're going to learn how Jonathan responds to David's military victory and to David. Read with me in verse one. As soon as he, David, had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Skip to verse three. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. This starts well, and I want you to imagine as we look into this friendship with David and Jonathan, what it must have been like for Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of the king. By what everyone would expect, Jonathan would be king next. This is his job, his family legacy, what we would be expecting. 
But at some point, Jonathan comes to find out that it is David that God wants to be king and not him. How does that affect this friendship? Does it affect this friendship? Let's keep reading. Flip to 1 Samuel 19, and we're going to read another instance about Jonathan and his friendship with David. In verse 1, And Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. What is Jonathan going to do? We just read that he left him, that he made a covenant with David. What's Jonathan going to do? His father and the king has told him to kill David. What is Jonathan's response? But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. Read again in verse 4. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, he takes this risk with courage to go before his father and to go before the king. And what does he say? Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine. And the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. You saw it and rejoice. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? In this instance, Saul listens and he relents. This is looking more like a Hesed kind of love. Some affection, but some faithfulness that goes with it. Some human Hesed. Let's look at another instance in 1 Samuel 20. David is concerned again for his life and concerned for Saul being against him. And he asks something of Jonathan. Listen to what he asks. Therefore, deal kindly. That word kindly is our word Hebrew, has said, excuse me, that we have been looking at, that Hebrew word we've been looking at. David asks for hesed with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. We see that stream of faithfulness of that covenant. But if there is guilt in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? And Jonathan said, far be it from you. If I knew that it was determined by my father that harm should come to you, would I not tell you? I'm going to pause for a minute, but no, the story ends with Jonathan finding out that indeed Saul was going to try to kill David again. And Saul, at great risk to himself and to add difficulty with his relationship with his father and with the king, does the right thing and protects David. Not only did David ask for something from Jonathan, but listen to what Jonathan asks for from David, who Jonathan knows is going to be king one day. The middle of verse 13, pick it up with me. May the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. If I am still alive, show me the steadfast love. That's that word, hesed. Jonathan also asks for hesed from David in the future. He asks for the steadfast love of the Lord. Not even David's hesed, but God's hesed, that I may not die. As we go forward, we're going to see that often kings or a kingdom, that specific king that comes into power might take out or kill the previous king or the previous administration to prevent a coup, to prevent rebellion, to show their power. 
And Jonathan, who is Saul's son, Jonathan knows he's not going to be king, but David is. And he asked that he wouldn't die, but he asked for something else. In verse 15, do not cut off your steadfast love, again, Hesed, from my house forever. When the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth, Jonathan believes David is going to be king and that God's going to be faithful to him. And he asked for David to show God's hesed to his family if Jonathan is not alive at the time. In verse 16, and Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Again, we see this hesed, this affection, but mixed with a faithfulness, not something that is fleeting. I think Jonathan is a pretty incredible guy, and I love watching this friendship develop between these two men, these two heterosexual men that have this affectionate, faithful friendship. I think it is so incredibly powerful and beautiful. Don't we want this for the men in our lives, our sons and nephews and fathers and spouses and friends? this type of Hesed friendship. I think something else is really powerful about Jonathan. I think about the fact that he knows he's not gonna be king, but he knows specifically that God did not pick him to be king. And Jonathan, in the parts that I read, is a courageous guy who does the right thing. I don't see anything that would make him a terrible king. Of course, I don't know him. But Jonathan is humble enough to accept what God's plans are for his life, such that this rich Hesed friendship can happen between the two of them. Without that humility, if there was envy and jealousy, imagine this friendship that wouldn't exist and this Hesed that they couldn't have explained or couldn't have experienced. Let's keep on because David not only experiences a human Hesed, but he experiences throughout his life great hesed from the Lord. There are many instances. Go ahead and flip with me to 2 Samuel this time, chapter 7. A while has passed. David is king. There have been military victories. And we're going to see examples of God's hesed toward David as an individual, for David as a father, but also for David as a king and David's kingdom. I'm just going to point out a few of the things in this passage because there are many. A few starting with verse 8, God's hesed and mercy, not David's um, earning something. God's hesed in verse 8, God took David from the pasture from following the sheep that you, David, should be prince over my people Israel. God's hesed to David. Not only that, but in verse 9, God had been with David wherever he went. He cut off the enemies before him. God's hesed had been with David throughout his life. And it was going to continue. In that same verse, God will make for you, David, a great name. In verse 10, for God's people, God was going to appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And then watch this in verse 12. God says, I will raise up for your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. That's Solomon. And then in verse 15, we see this word hesed again. Verse 15, 
My hesed, my steadfast love, will not depart from him. God promises this hesed to David's son and to that kingdom. God gives and David receives much perfect hesed from the Lord. I think it's important that we stop and reflect on the things we've received because we have a tendency to give away what we've received or to learn from that. And I think it's important we can be honest about the good and the bad. We all have it that we've received from people. God already knows that. And I think it's important that perhaps we spend twice as much time thinking about God's gracious hesed toward us as we do about what people have given us. Because God's hesed is powerful and we need to thank him for that. David has received not hesed, he's received hesed from a human and he's received hesed from the Lord. What does he give away? What does David choose to give away? Flip a few more pages over to 2 Samuel 9. Jonathan and Saul have died in battle many years before. We're going to meet Jonathan's son in a minute, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is a man now, and we know that at five years old, Mephibosheth was crippled because when Jonathan and Saul were killed, Mephibosheth's nanny took Mephibosheth. They were running in haste, and there was an accident, and Mephibosheth became lame in his feet. So multiple years after Jonathan and David's exchanges, David is going to bring back up something that we just looked at. Look in 2 Samuel 9, starting in verse 1. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness? That's our word, Hesed. David says, I want to show kindness. I want to show Hesed. And listen to these next few words. For Jonathan's sake. He remembers. He remembers Jonathan, their friendship, he remembers Jonathan's affection and kindness and faithfulness toward him. He remembers the promises that he and Jonathan had exchanged with each other. David remembers and he chooses to act. Read in verse two. Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba and they called him to David and the king said, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness, that's our hesed, the kindness of God to him. He doesn't even say, I want to show Jonathan's hesed. I want to raise the bar and I want to show God's hesed to Jonathan's family. And that is what Jonathan had asked for and what David had committed to, to demonstrate God's hesed to Jonathan and his family in the future. Let's see in verse three. Ziba said to the king, there's still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his feet and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, behold, I am your servant. Think for a minute with me about Mephibosheth. Remember, Mephibosheth had run in fear before when Saul and Jonathan had been killed. And often kings took out 
killed were not kind to you, previous kings and the previous kings and queens' children. Mephibosheth is fearful heading into this. And we're going to see, based on David's response, that even David notices it. In verse 7, David says to him, Do not fear. Do not fear. Why? For I will show you kindness, Hesed, for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Mephibosheth, here's something he wasn't expecting. So what's this kindness going to be? I'm going to let you live would be kindness enough and maybe different than previous kings and kingdoms. A camel, a I appreciated your dad. What's he going to say? And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And listen to this phrase, because we're going to hear it again. You shall eat at my table always. This is Hesed. This is God's Hesed. Mephibosheth is not put away. He's not killed. He is invited in, offered the land of the house of Saul, and he is invited in to the table. This is beautiful Hesed. Listen to what Mephibosheth says in verse 8. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? He's not even expecting regard, much less Hesed. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I've given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat, provision. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall, second time, always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servants, so will your servants do. So Mephibosheth, third time, ate at David's table. And then listen to this phrase. Like one of the king's sons. David takes this political rival and invites him into the table with his sons. This is Hesed. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem fourth time, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both of his feet. Hesed happened. What is it you're giving away? What is it I'm giving away? What is it we want to give away? In my dream world, I would always want to and give away Hesed. Sometimes I do. Sometimes it is joyful and easy and full of affection and faithfulness, and I do it, and it is fun. Sometimes I may not be filled with quite as much affection and joy, but I do it anyway. And sometimes I don't do it. But there is a heart change that can occur in us so that we do this, so that we seek to give away Hesed more and more. Sometimes, to be honest, it's received well, and sometimes it's not. We see... David choosing Hesed in the way he treated Saul, but Saul still tried to kill him. We see how Jonathan expressed Hesed toward David, but it caused difficulty in his relationship with his father. Sometimes Hesed means things will go well with us. Sometimes it doesn't. 
but it is beautiful and significant and important nonetheless. Can we work to seek to give away God's hesed to those around us? I want to even point out one other thing I think is really important. We've been looking a lot as David as an individual and how he was responding to Jonathan, and I think that is true. But I also think we need to remember David also in this passage is functioning in some other forms. He's a father. Mephibosheth is coming in to sit with his sons. He's a father. And also, he's a king. He's demonstrating what his kingdom, what God's kingdom is about or is supposed to be about. And people are watching. His sons are seeing Mephibosheth sit with him. The servants are seeing what David is doing to a previous king's family. I don't know about you, but a lot of what has impacted me as I've learned from other people and received from other people is not necessarily what they've said, but how they've lived. What was their example? And David is setting a tone here of hesed for his individual self, but for his family and for his kingdom. I think about my parents and how I'm sure they lectured us or told us about the Harrelson way that they didn't call it that, but it's much more what I saw them do that was impactful for me. When I walked into the kitchen and saw my mom baking, we learned as kids to ask, so mom, who are you giving that away to? Because we assumed it was gonna be given away and not necessarily for us. I remember all of the computer parts old computer parts strewn across the room as my dad was trying to piece together old computer parts so he could give away to someone a computer. They didn't have one. I think about how we watched our parents interact with people created in the image of God who were different than us. And I'll never remember learning there was poverty because from an early age before I can remember my mom and dad interacted with people, with friends that we called aunt or uncle that we weren't related to, that were different, um, but yet the same. I thought about this specifically this past Christmas, December 23rd. In fact, my mom did what is not unusual. Um, there is an Alzheimer's unit at a retirement home that's a couple miles from my parents' house. My grandmother actually lived there when she was alive and had Alzheimer's. My mom periodically just calls and goes up there and it's not odd for her to tell someone she's going to invite them to come with her. My mom taught preschool for many, many years. And so she would just send out a text to these preschoolers, parents or friends or someone and say, hey, I'm going, you wanna come? And on December 23rd, we went to the Alzheimer's unit um, and my mom had about 20 to 25 people there, most of which I didn't know. Um, there was a few pieces of candy. There were some song sheets someone had printed, a few Christmas cards, probably no more than $30 were spent. There were ages, probably ages six to seven to 70 plus that were there. And my mom gave about a two minute um, explanation of what we were gonna do, probably not that long. She said, hey, I want you to walk in. I want you to share your name. I want you to shake everyone's hand and say, hi, my name is so-and-so, what's your name? And ask them about the weather or tell them their shirt's pretty. And she said, you know, tomorrow, they may not remember that we came, but today they're gonna be really glad you were here. And the locked door that is there for the safety of those 
wonderful men and women created in God's image who are wrestling with all timers. The door opened and I watched all ages head out across this room and we were there and saying very poorly, I might add. And I looked specifically, this image has stuck with me. Like I said, my mom taught preschool and there is a was a young woman there. She's graduating from high school this year and she was there for, I don't know the how many number of time. Her mom had brought her and they'd brought some friends. And, and I thought, you know, she's never gonna have to be told that some people have Alzheimer's and how they should be treated and how they're created in the image of God. Because before she had to be told, a preschooler was brought with someone and she learned that. We all have influence in different ways. Somebody or somebodies, I guarantee, are watching you. Maybe it's family, maybe it's neighbors, maybe it's colleagues. People are watching you to see what you give away, and they are impacted by that, and they are learning about that. We've looked at what David received. We've looked at what David gave away. But you probably have a question, which, to be honest, I have, and uh, David can relate to us. You're thinking, but Kathy, I don't, I don't do that all the time, and I don't either. And here's the thing, David didn't either. He has some pretty dramatic instances of not showing hesed to people. David was not perfect. I'm not. You are not. But the question is, what do we do when we don't show someone hesed? Or where do we go when we don't have that hesed to give away? What do we do? Where do we get more from. I loved studying this. One of my favorite things about this study for me was looking at the Psalms because David wrote a number of the Psalms. It's a book in our Bible that's filled with 150 Psalms. David wrote some of them and I went back and looked at all the Davidic Psalms and I found by my count 31 Psalms in our Bible that David actually uses this Hebrew word hesed in his prayers and praises in the Psalms. Most of the time they're referring to God's chesed. It was just my count. So if you count and see a few off, that makes sense to me. But about 20% of the Psalms have David referring to chesed. And it intrigued me because I thought, where did David run through situations in his life? And so there's a verse sheet that you are able to download and we are gonna look at some different Psalms because I think we need to learn where did David get the ability to recover when he didn't show hesed and to be renewed in this type of hesed that he was able to give to Mephibosheth. In Psalm 51 verse one, that's the first one I wanna read and note that in every one of these verses I read, the phrase steadfast love is actually the Hebrew word hesed. And Psalm 51 is written in David responding to one of his epic fails, one of his not hesed moments. And what did David say? He says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Where did David run when he did not show hesed to others? Where did he run when he needed forgiveness? He depended on God's hesed. What about Psalm 17, verse seven? Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. When David was being wrongly attacked by adversaries, that was a time for God's chesed. 
Psalm 31, verse 7, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you've seen my affliction, you've known the distress of my soul and affliction and, and affliction and distress. Where should we run? To God's chesed. And not just when things are hard, but this psalm of praise, Psalm 145, verse 8, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Would we learn from David and run in all seasons to God's chesed? Even if we've been slow and haven't run, we can always get up and go. That is where we are able to experience this ability and this power to change us, to change our hearts, and to give away more chesed. Let's look at a few more verses because I want you to see what David says about the fullness of God's chesed and how he embraced that fullness. In Psalm 36, verse 5, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. God's chesed is all the way to the heavens. It is massive. It is big enough for whatever it is that you think you can't bring or you need to hide from. God's chesed is massive. Psalm 52, Eight, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. God's chesed is eternal. It's there tomorrow. It's there the next day. It's there for all eternity. Psalm 21, seven, for the king trusts in the Lord and through the steadfast love of the most high, he shall not be moved. God's chesed is strong and powerful. It is strong and powerful. In Psalm 63, 3, there are moments when I feel this way like David did. It's not every day. It's not all the time. But I can say with David, Psalm 63, 3, because your steadfast love is better than life. That is the fullness of God's chesed. David says, my lips will praise you. And I say the same thing. David didn't just want this hesed for himself, though. David magnified the truth of God's hesed for others as well. Psalm 40, verse 10. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. David spoke of it and did not conceal it. Psalm 101 is a royal psalm. I think it's so wonderful. It describes what David believes the king and the monarchy should be about. Listen to how David starts this royal psalm. I will sing of steadfast love, hesed, and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. And then look at Psalm 18, verse 50. Great salvation he brings to the king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Multiple generations, God has said is gonna extend and David knows and celebrates that. As we've done our study this summer, you may or may not have thought about the fact that we didn't start with this lesson. We didn't start with go give away God's chesed. The gospel, God's news does not start with us, start for us with go do something. It starts with what we get to receive. We started this series by looking at God's hesed for us, present in a variety of situations in our life. 
Sarah looked at Psalm 13 with David in a difficult situation and how he leaned on God's chesed. Lynn walked through Jeremiah with us in Lamentations and pointed out God's chesed to Jeremiah because things were really hard and difficult and God's chesed to the nation of Israel in a season of their sin and their repentance and God's chesed did not leave them. We also saw and heard about how Amy talked about how Joseph had done the right thing, but it didn't end up good for him in the short term. But yet God's chesed was present with Joseph and at work in that situation. Wendy reminded us of God's chesed provision for a wife, for Isaac. We see God's chesed. And then we get to this lesson and say, we've received, we've received, we've received. We can receive more. Let's give it away. And then go back for more and give it away and go back for more and give it away. It's not going to run out. You know, many of us teachers, including me, will practice a lesson out loud, partially because I want to make sure it's not too long because there's always uh, many more hours of great stuff in the Bible that I want to say, but you don't want to listen to me for four hours. And just to make sure I don't stumble across something, even though I likely will anyway, but the very first time I finished practicing this out loud, a song ran through my head that I hadn't thought about in a long time. And this is the song. It's an old song. It's what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing there's just too little of. And I smiled because I thought, oh, that totally goes along with this lesson. The world needs more hesed, and God has put you in situations around people that he wants to use to give his hesed away. And the world needs that. And God has put you there to give away hesed. And not only that, but what the world needs now and what I need now and what you need now is to experience and taste of more and more of God's hesed so that we are changed. God's hesed, however, is not going to run out. The world does not have too little of God's hesed. It is indeed the thing that there is never too little of. It is God's chesed that we can run to and taste and we can give away. We hope you've enjoyed this summer with us studying God's chesed. There are many more passages and many more ways for you to experience God's chesed. And we hope that you continue to experience God's chesed and give it away. Please pray with me as we close our summer study. Father, who is full of great, great hesed, we join with David in praising you for your hesed. You are faithful and kind and loving and good, and your hesed is immense and massive and to all generations and is better than life. And we praise you and thank you for it. I pray, God, that we would be women that keep coming back for more that your spirit would draw us back, that you would give us more and more taste and experience of God's chesed, and that we would kindly and faithfully turn and give it away for your sake and for your glory, because your chesed is massive and worthy of glory. We pray all this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.